And you are listening to Radio Free Nashville 107.1 and 103.7 FM LP and streaming live at RadioFreeNashville.org. Welcome to the Veterans for Peace Radio Hour. As citizens, we are required by international law to denounce and resist known crimes. And these are known crimes. In this time of pandemic, it is more vital than ever to acknowledge the theft of resources needed for human life that these weapons represent. That was Liz McAllister of the Plowshare 7. And today we will hear their story in their words. But first, Tom. My name is Tom Gross and I am joined by in Zoom by Harvey Bennett and Jim Vogelmuth. And we are members of Veterans for Peace, which is an international organization of military veterans and allies whose collective efforts are to build a culture of peace by using our experiences and lifting our voices for the causes of peace, humanity, equality, and justice. Our network is comprised of over 140 chapters worldwide. Our radio show is on stations across the country. We are now meeting through Zoom, so if you would like to be part of our next meeting, it will be the second Tuesday of the month. So please join us. Remember, you can get a copy of the show by just going to our Facebook page. Just search Veterans for Peace, Chapter 089, or please follow us on Twitter at BFP Radio Nashville and at BFP 89 Radio. And to find any of our shows, just go to bit.ly slash capital V, capital F, capital P, Radio Hour. Also, if you are a station online or on the air and would like to send and like us to send you a, uh, while you are on air, if you'd like us uh, to send you a show, just text your email to 703-403-6135. If you have a question for us while on the air, or an idea for another show, send us a text at 703-403-6135. We will try to get to your questions while on the air. If you are one of our nationwide affiliates, just text us and we will get to your questions or suggestions next show. Veterans for Peace Radio Hour and Radio Free Nashville are supported in part by the Green Party of Tennessee, bringing some common sense into the bipolar world of American politics. Go to Green Party Tennessee of Tennessee at or dot org. Excuse me. Despite the guidance of the administration and many governors, we recommend that you take care of yourself. Become because of the numbers of COVID cases that are on the rise and deaths on the rise. Um, so stay stay home and stay zooming. It was April 4th, 2019, anniversary of Dr. Martin Luther King's assassination. <clears throat> and members of uh, Plowshares, a long established group of uh, anti war Catholics who date from the uh, early years of uh, the Berrigan Brothers' activities from the 1960s, uh, came together and uh, infiltrated the Kings Bay. Naval submarine base that houses six uh, nuclear submarines that are armed with uh, nuclear missiles. And they managed to uh, break into several secure areas, uh, paint graffiti and uh, anti-war messages, as well as spilling blood on their uh, sign there at the entrance of the base. And they were arrested and uh, charged with uh, destruction of property, uh, trespass, etc. Anyway, they're going to be they're going to be uh, sentenced. And they were found guilty, and they were going to be they're going to be sentenced on May 28th and 29th. So we wanted to put this show out now so people can uh, sign the petition on their website. And uh, what we're going to have today is direct uh, statements from 
uh, six of the seven uh, Kings Bay Plowshares members. The seventh one is in prison, so couldn't participate. So that's what we're here about today. All right, what was the website, Harvey? It's Kings Bay Plowshares, P-L-O-W-S-H-A-R-E-S, as in swords into plowshares from Isaiah, seven dot org, Kings Bay Plowshares seven dot org. So what you're gonna hear now is a webinar hosted by Norman Solomon in which he introduces the six uh, plowshare defendants. Uh, so right now we're going to uh, start first uh, by hearing from Mark Colville. I, uh, I was asked to uh, start out and give a little overview for those who uh, may be unfamiliar with the Kings Bay uh, Plowshare 7. Um, this is a, a, a community that formed around an action at Kings Bay Naval Base in Southern Georgia in, uh, on April 4th of 2018. Others will uh, talk about some of the significance of that date. Um, uh, a plowshares action is, um, is basically a, a movement that started in the early 80s and um, it seeks to enflesh the, uh, one of the prophecies of the great Hebrew prophet Isaiah of uh, nations hammering swords into plowshares and spears into pruning hooks. Um, and not teaching or learning war anymore. Um, the, the Plowshares movement enfleshes that by taking the symbols of hammers and um, uh, household blood, I mean, uh, our own blood and household hammers, uh, to these sites where nuclear weapons are, are hidden and stored um, and deployed. Um, and we do a symbolic enactment of the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 2, verse 4. So we did this in Kings Bay, as I said, in, in April of 2018. Um, since then, it's been quite a, uh, a long journey of, uh, of legal uh, wrangling, uh, trial, uh, pre-trial, trial, and now we're at a point where we've, we've all been found guilty of three uh, felonies and a misdemeanor, um, and we're awaiting sentencing, which, uh, which very well may happen. It's scheduled for the end of, of May, the 28th and the 29th. Um, and we'll get into that a little more later. Um, two, I want to mention two things that, that the seven of us all have in common. Um, uh, and this is not common to all plowshares actions, but first of all, we're steeped in, a, uh, in the rich tradition of Catholic social teaching. Um, our, it, it has informed all of our consciences and in many ways uh, uh, pushed us to go down to Georgia. Um, and secondly, all of us, uh, come from decades of walking with, uh, with poor people, victims, as the Bible would use the word, the anawim of God, you know, that we've all um, in various ways been walking with people uh, who are the victims of these policies um, and the victims of empire um, and tried to live in solidarity with them. Um, and um, when, I'm, when I'm asked to describe what a plowshares action is, I, I say it's, to me, it's an unmasking of the demon of militarism that every day lays waste to my neighborhood. Um, uh, that these weapons are, are built and developed and uh, used without, without even being launched, they're being used every day uh, in a war against uh, neighborhoods uh, all over the country. Um, it's, uh, it's interesting to me, and I think that the, the COVID uh, pandemic here has really it, it, it's almost like a plowshares action in the sense of, of this unmasking of the demon of militarism. As a culture, we've so internalized war that we've essentially lost our capacity to conceive of any kind of national or collective unity that doesn't express itself as a war, um, a war on something. Um, and these wars always, uh, as, as really the Bible and, the, and Catholic social teaching tells us, that uh, wars always, the first and the last victims of war are always the poor. And uh, our neighborhoods have been the victims of, of our war making. And I'm thinking, well, particularly the most obvious one would be the war on drugs, you know, or the war on crime. You know, we, we, we take up these things as wars and wars create victims, they demand victims. Um, uh, 
So plowshares actions uh, unmask that. Um, here in Connecticut, it's, it's, we're actually in New Haven, kind of in a, an interesting place because you've got, first of all, the uh, electric boat uh, in Groton is, is now undertaking the new Columbia class, uh, development of the Columbia class submarines. In other words, all of the Trident submarines, uh, which I don't have time to explain what they are, but uh, others will explain the destructive capacity of them. They're all being replaced. Um, as part of uh, an Obama administration uh, plan to upgrade the nuclear arsenal at the cost of over a trillion dollars over the next 20 years. Um, the, each of the Trident submarines are going to be replaced by a Columbia class excuse me, uh, submarine. Um, and that work is taking place now. The governor of Connecticut has uh, declared that uh, electric boat is an essential operation. And so it has not been closed during the pandemic. Uh, the, the production of these submarines, uh, the Columbia class has been ramped up. In fact, a year ago, uh, uh, it was supposed to start in 2021, but the, the Trump administration has pushed that uh, schedule up. So it's, it's actually booting up now. Um, and of course, people uh, are getting temporary jobs there and risking their lives to go uh, develop these, these submarines. Um, $44 billion in the current uh, military budget for nuclear weapons. Um, we now have an annual nuclear, uh, an annual uh, military budget of three quarters of a trillion dollars. Um, this uh, represents the absolute theft from the poor, as all the folks have said. Um, I, I, I know I'm running out of time here, but um, and I'll, I'll just end it by saying um, that the crowning uh, image uh, to me of this of this whole experience of being locked down and all has been the uh, this week there was this military flyover with with bomber jets uh, flying over the cities and to me it just um, it, it's like the crown of ineptness uh, that our government is expressing they're based <laughs> I mean here are billions and billions of dollars uh, you know in in PPE you know or <laughs> in, in uh, protection for hospital workers that, that uh, is flying over our cities, almost mocking us. Um, it's, uh, it, it's just the crowning achievement, the crowning uh, uh, image of the ineptness, the dysfunction and the, and the bankruptcy of this government to do anything uh, functional because we have sold our souls to uh, the military industrial complex. We don't know how to do anything else with war. Uh, I'll leave it there for the moment. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you. Thank you, Mark. And uh, now we're going to hear from Patrick O'Neill from the uh, Father Charlie Mulholland Catholic Worker in Garner, North Carolina. Our action happened in what is referred to as the Deep South. And in the Deep South, we're right on the Florida border on the, uh, on the eastern shore of Georgia. Uh, there's a real remnant of slavery and the legacy of oppression, uh, chattel. It's, it's still there. It's, it's, it's still there and it's still very much alive and active there. So we went to this place where for 35 years, Trident submarines were floating in the harbor in St. Mary's, Georgia. And for the first time in 35 years, intruders came on this Navy base. And um, it, is, it has absolutely been shocking to the people there. There's, it's really very rare that I come across anybody down in South Georgia who, who really has a understanding politically or theologically of what the seven of us did and why we did it. Well, that's the reason we need to be there. We need to be there because people aren't thinking or caring about this issue. And I'd like to tell one story Okay. When the eight of us, when the seven of us were in the, in the first year we were in, when we were only facing state charges, um, someone asked the local priest in St. Mary's, Georgia, from the one Catholic church in that town to come see us in jail. So we had to segregate uh, by gender, but the four of us, the men, Carmen, Mark, Steve, and I met this priest. He had a, he had a little Eucharistic service, gave us Holy Communion, prayed with us. 
And then I kind of thought, well, maybe he's just going to leave now because I'd heard from one of the members of his parish that he'd already preached against us, having not met us. or And, and so, but the thing was, he, he was curious and he said to us, you know, uh, your action has caused me some problems at my parish because people ask me, how can seven Catholics break into the sub base and destroy government property and claim to be doing it in the name of Jesus? And he said, I don't know what to tell them. And that was the fascinating part. He didn't know what to tell them. But the good thing was for 30 minutes, he listened to us. And Steve, a theologian, Steve Kelly, uh, kind of spoke in his, his, uh, his language, his theological language. And for 30 minutes, he just listened to us. The only uh, disclaimer he had was in the middle of the whole thing. He just said, I don't even believe in guns. But he listened very carefully. And remarkably, 30 minutes later, he completely understood us theologically and politically. Not that he necessarily joined our, our support group or anything like that. In fact, we never heard from him again. But of course, we don't have time to speak to all the people in South Georgia and elsewhere about, about the motivations of our action. A lot of people won't listen. But the thing that struck me was this man lived in a rectory that literally overlooked the uh, Kings Bay uh, Inlet. And he possibly could see Trident submarines floating by, if not very close by. He knew they were there. And it never had occurred to him that the entire livelihood and economic well-being of the city where he was a shepherd was predicated on the end of the world. That's what Trident is. Trident is the end of the world. Citizens are being told in South Georgia and all through the United States and Canada and, and Russia and all the other countries that have nuclear arms is, don't worry, mutually assured destruction, mutually assured destruction will last in perpetuity. And uh, essentially our nuclear weapons are just props. No one would use them because they know the, you know, the dangers of that. And of course, this, this argument that the policy of MAD can save us has really stuck. People believe this. People have now gotten to a point where living on 24-7 alert for total devastation of our planet has become normal. Nobody seems to want to resist that. And I'm thinking, you know, that in June 12th, 1982, uh, many people were in New York when 700,000 people marched against nuclear weapons on the United Nations. Uh, there was an awareness that we don't have now. For some reason, we have been lulled into some sense of buying into this huge lie that these weapons can save us, or at least keep us safe. Um, our job, you know, as, as, as workers for peace, to end, to end the climate, the, the climate change, to work to change uh, life as we know it on the planet so that we can survive and go on. So there'll be a life for my eight children and my two grandchildren. And we have 22 children among us, uh, the seven Kings Bay plowshares, uh, is that we can somehow reach people who believe that nuclear weapons are a normal part of life and also get people to sort of look at the military industrial complex with a critical eye. Uh, when Mark talks about this $1 trillion to, to make a whole new series of Trident submarines, where's the outrage? You don't hear anybody clamoring against this and people have bought into this. And so how do we develop mass resistance to this? And I guess maybe I'm hoping something can come out of the coronavirus that will wake people up to the fact that as a global family, we have to work together to resolve our problems and there's no room for war. There's no room for killing. There's no room for nuclear weapons. And none of those things have a right to exist and we have to do away with them. So my hope is that, uh, that we're beginning that path. And I, I have no idea if we are. Thank you. Going to hear from Liz McAllister, uh, formerly of the Jonah House in Baltimore. Well, I have um, served about 18 months in the uh, county jail for my participation with the Kings Bay Plowshares. I don't know if there's more to come, but if there is, we'll deal with it. And if there's not, that's fine too. Um, I want to share a couple of excerpts from our from the indictment that we brought to the base during the action, because it talks about the ways investment in nuclear weapons is divestment from human needs. 
it steals the uh, resources needed for, uh, for people. These weapons make us less prepared to meet challenges like the pandemic that we are now dealing with. Today, through our nonviolent action at King's Bay, we indict the United States government, President, Don President Donald Trump, and King's Bay base commander Brian Lapine. The, <clears throat> the whole nuclear triad, and specifically the Trident nuclear program. Whereas the United States is bound by the United Nations Charter, the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty, and the Nuremberg Principles, which prohibit war crimes and full-scale nuclear explosions. The Kings Bay Naval Submarine Base refits and maintains submarines, which carry Trident D-5 submarine-launched ballistic missiles. Six of the Navy's 14 Ohio-class submarines have their home port at Kings Bay. Each submarine carries the capacity to cause devastation equivalent to 600 of the nuclear attacks on Hiroshima in Japan. Thus, the six tridents at Kings Bay have the capacity equal to 3,600 Hiroshima's. 36 Hiroshima's. From the initial mine, uh, mineral mining through testing, storage, and dumping, these weapons harm human beings, destroy the environment, and violate international and God's law. Moreover, each day the program steals from all of our nation and the world by its theft of much needed resources. The ongoing building and maintenance of the Trident submarines and ballistic missiles is a war crime that can and should be investigated and prosecuted by judicial authorities at all levels. As citizens, we are required by international law to denounce and resist known crimes, and these are known crimes. In this time of pandemic, it is more vital than ever to acknowledge the theft of resources needed for human life that these weapons represent, and the essential services that we lack as a result of these weapons, and they just keep growing. We've got to stop it. Thank you. And now we're going to hear from Martha Hennessy, who's uh, from the Mary House Catholic Worker in New York City. Thank you all for being here. I'm addressing the W762 warheads that have recently been deployed out, out to our oceans on the Trident. How this uh, weapons buildup is just bringing us closer and closer to the brink. Um, these weapons are designed to be more usable. They are very compatible with the U.S. first strike policy. Um, each one of them carries five kilotons worth of power, a third of what was used in Hiroshima. Um, funding for this kind of warhead was blocked in 2003 because military personnel had some concerns about a uh, president um, getting it into his head to use these kinds of weapons. Um, we are looking at a 2021 budget of about $30 billion for nuclear upgrades. And of course, Congress is very supportive of this. To just give you a little bit of history um, of the timeline of how this all came to be with the launching of this warhead um, around Christmas time of this past year. I'll mention August of 2016, there were war games called Global uh, Thunder 17. And of course the target was Iran. And this was the beginnings of really thinking about making a, a nuclear war possible. March of 2017, there was a congressional hearing and General Hyten from STRATCOM um, was glowing about how these flexible options are a very healthy thing for us. 
in February of 2018, we had the nuclear posture review come out and it was in this report that the W762 warheads were recommended to be added to the arsenal and we presented um, this particular report in the courtroom um, in our pre-trial hearings. Um, this uh, system is touted as being cheap, quick, and simple. And it's based on the premise of uh, assuming that the Russians had this escalate to de-escalate uh, protocol in place, which has not been um, confirmed um, from our military speaking to the Russians. In February of 2019, the uh, first uh, warhead is completed at Pantax plant. And Representative Davis at that point asked uh, General Hyten whether um, he had consulted with Russia about whether we need to have this kind of weapon system in response to what they're planning. And he said, no, we, ha we haven't done that. In August of 2019, the USS Tennessee came back to Kings Bay. It was on its 88th deterrent patrol and it was um, sent there in preparation for taking on this warhead. In August of um, 2019, that same uh, month, uh, it came into the dry dock for maintenance and for refitting. And in August, of, uh, August 19th, there was uh, a congressional hearings and the House Democrats pretty much caved into the funding of this particular project, you know, despite saying that the nuclear threshold is increased and uh, uh, being decreased and the danger is increasing. And by September of 2019, the warheads were delivered to the Navy. These, war these weapons are under the Navy's auspices. And in October of 2019, the USS Tennessee undocked and we were put on trial October 20th. And at that point in time, they were sending out this weapon. And on December 4th, um, under Secretary of Defense uh, Rude, one of the wolves or the hirelings of our military, at a breakfast uh, talked about how we really needed this sea launch D5 missile with this particular modified warhead. And then in late 2019, we think around Christmas time, a Christian gift to the world, it was deployed, it was sent out uh, into the oceans. And we now have a situation where um, the, the question is, are we thinking of targeting Russia or the battlefield? And it looks to be Iran. It might be Trump's decision um, to uh, target Iran. And of course, another one of our high priests of doomsday, um, Admiral Haney of Stratcom, I don't know if he's still in charge, he talked about, if it's necessary for us to respond, we will at any time, any place, with the uh, decision being ours. And so we have the four um, aging um, senior military officers who did speak to Newsweek recently saying, all four were concerned, they were very reluctant that there is a Donald Trump factor involved, that there is something about this president and the new weapons that makes contemplating crossing the nuclear threshold a unique danger. Thank you. Thank you, Martha. Uh, our next uh, speaker is Carmen Trotta. And, um, and so we meet today in the context of this uh, sort of voluntary quarantine. And, um, and I think in certain ways it gives us time to think, and I will only go through some of the thoughts that are sort of on my mind. The primary one is that the, the global pandemic um, obviously does not discriminate and really does call um, or hearken to all of us for a reestablishment um, of international law. My thoughts also tend to, uh, are sort of brooding in terms of our nation's denial of our our culture is a, a sort of a level four, level four cancer. Um, I remember Claire Grady at one point saying that free market capitalism uh, is like cancer. It's unrestricted growth. And I wonder about the unrestricted nature of that, whether it comes out of ignorance, a sort of cultivated ignorance, cultivated um, 
by nationalist propaganda, cultivated by corporate media, and by the majority really of, of churches and parishes. If you um, go to church in New York City at, at St. Patrick's, and um, you will see that the, the front of the church is lined by police cars. And they, play, they pray routinely um, that we not be the victims of domestic terrorism. But they never think to pray for an end to American terrorism. Um, that thought never seems to pass. People are so addicted to a sort of culture, um, do, they, do they then bear no responsibility? Um, are rank and file Americans simply complicit? Uh, complicit in the provocation of, of climate change, complicit um, in leading us to a nation which is, according to the Bulletin of American Scientists, 100 minutes to midnight, meaning closer to, nu meaning closer to nuclear war than we have ever been. Um, unaware of all the various conflicts that we are in, um, including the, the coups, recent coups from Honduras to Venezuela. So my hope is that we can begin to face the truth and that in a certain way, the community that is gathering here before you today, including uh, the guests that we'll see momentarily, um, are an alternative. Um, to a re-embracing of, of an America uh, that actually cares about the wider world. Thank you. Thank you, Carmen. Uh, our next speaker is Claire Grady with the Ithaca Catholic Worker. In this time of COVID, there is a lot being revealed. And I truly believe that what is revealed can be healed. Another way of saying that is maybe the truth shall set us free. I was reminded uh, by a friend's words yesterday that the truth is worth repeating. So I'll be repeating a few truths as I understand them. Truth. Trident is the most deadly weapon on the planet. My government possesses 14 of them. Six of them are home ported at Kings Bay. Truth, the Pentagon's vision for 2020, this year, written about 20 years ago, states clearly and unabashedly that the division between the haves and haves not, have nots on this planet will be greater than it ever was. And to ensure that the US, i.e. corporate moneyed interests come out on top, we must ensure global dominance i.e. a military dominance that includes space. Truth, the trident is the ultimate logic of this very sick vision and system. Truth, the trident is the ultimate logic of the colonial patriarchal project. It feeds on the giant triplets that Martin Luther King identified of racism, militarism, and extreme materialism. Truth. According to the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists, we are 100 seconds to nuclear war, to midnight. We might be less than that since Trump pulled out of the Iran nuclear deal just a few days ago. Truth. Even if nuclear weapons are never launched again, they have already taken the lives of millions and that they, and they kill every day. All mining, refining, testing, and dumping that is required for nuclear weapons are done on indigenous land. Indigenous people have always been on the front lines of empire's deadly force and waste. Truth, the trillions of dollars that we spend to maintain nuclear weapons is money that is stolen, stolen from the people and our precious planet. Truth, nuclear weapons are the biggest bully stick on the planet. They are the necessary piece in maintaining, enforcing global dominance, dominance that functions for the express purpose 
of extraction, i.e. stealing of other people's land, labor, and lives. Truth, nuclear weapons are like a cocked gun held to the head of the planet. When you hold a gun to someone's head, even if you never pull the trigger, you are using that gun. We have choices. As a first world white woman of privilege, I choose to join my friends in standing in and continuing a very long tradition of sacramental prophetic practice. To take up nonviolent symbolic disarmament of Trident, a weapon that enforces the violent systems that are killing the planet and her people every day, I choose to disarm and live. Thank you. So there are the words of the six. Now on to our reflection about those words. I know that from my standpoint, what strikes me, and I couldn't help but think of the shows we've done over the last two weeks, that here or there were National Guard, Highway Patrol and police aiming and killing students at Kent State and Jackson State, and since then and before then, so many more kids have been killed without any justice, without any justice. Nothing no happens. Yeah, nothing no happens. No nothing, right? And no nothing. And then these poor, these, these seven old people, these seven old people uh, deface a little bit of this base, of this naval base, do nothing to disrupt operations, just make a statement, and they go through two long years of uh, litigation, a pursuit of harassment by the state. It just, it just struck me as, as just nuts. And they serve time. Most of them serve some time in jail. Already, and yeah. and not yeah. one nobody, nobody from nobody from Kent State or Jackson State or Orangeburg or any of the wealth of other shootings. Yeah, has, and it's also a little ironic that Kings Bay is lo located essentially in Brunswick, Georgia, which is where Armand Arbery was murdered for jogging while black. Yes. February and uh, nothing. Redneck vigilante central. <laughs> and nothing, nothing, no charges whatsoever were ever brought until uh, it came to light. Until the video accidentally got released. Right. So, no, I mean, it just, it's just shocking. Uh, the hypocrisy. Unity is the rule. Right. Of the Zoom. I mean, the, the only difference is we do have technology now which allows us to document these things if it wasn't for someone's camera what would have happened nothing the kid would have got buried and nothing would have been said that's right mm -hmm. that's right so i mean a number of the speakers brought up the hypocrisy <laughs> like um i think it was koval who mentioned that while we're in the middle of a pandemic the military does flyovers. Yeah, <laughs> they did one in Nashville. Uh, what day was it? This week. Yeah, yeah. this is honoring Friday, uh, honoring the first responders, the nurses, and all this crap. Yeah, right. But they can't get like them. That's what we need. Let's burn some jet fuel for 17 minutes over in Nashville, because right. that will make so much difference for the people who are dying of a virus. That's right. You can't get protective gear. Or enough of it, but you can have a damn fly. You can have a flyover. Well, you know, it, it's a little bit like what what goes on with the military, which is anything to justify the budget. It, it's a corporate tactic. When I was in the corporate world, what you never did was submit a budget that was smaller than the previous year. Oh yeah. And the way you justify this is to do flyovers and uh, issue basically uh, war equipment to the local police and uh, build bombs. 
mm -hmm. and uh, you know find other aircraft that are more deadly and uh, add to the drone count. Make sure there's a weapon, there's a defense weapons plant in every congressional district. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So now, what else stood out to you guys from the other portions of the speakers? <clears throat> I, you know, I would say, uh, considering these people are going to be sentenced to probably oh, a year and a half to three years in prison, they had sort of a, a calmness about them and a, an intensity of purpose that was really admirable. That if I was, I've, I've, you know, worked in jails. If I found out I was going to have to go to jail in, in, in another month or whatever, I wouldn't be looking that wonderful, I don't think. I'd be ripping my hair out. <laughs> right. Right. And, you know, and going to jail these days with the... It's a death uh, sentence. Yeah, it is. With COVID. Oh, I yeah. Mean, it, especially it be for people sentence. this age. Well, they did mention that uh, many of them are appealing because they don't feel it's safe to travel to Georgia. Right. Their homes because right. of the yeah. outbreak and the fact that Georgia's been loosening all the uh, <clears throat> restrictions for social gathering, et cetera. Uh, so why can't they be trying? You know, why can't they be sentenced virtually? You know. Yeah. Just watch they're, the judge do it. I think Colorado or one of the other states is starting to do trials again in person. But most most states haven't started up the, the criminal justice system again, mm -hmm. except in a virtual way. Right. Well, you know, one of the things that really stuck out to me was Claire Grady and her list of truths. And yeah. one of them, one of them in particular, that the Pentagon 20 years ago predicted increased wealth disparity, the difference between the haves and the have-nots, that's what she said, and they developed a strategy to make sure we came out on top. So the Pentagon was developing their strategy based on the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer, and we've got to make sure we defend that system. That was You're talking globally, right? Yes. Yeah. You know, a global protection of our rich oligarchs and probably a global protection of not only our rich oligarchs, but the ones in Saudi Arabia or the ones in the UK or or wherever else. Um, you know, it was just 20 years ago, the Defense Department was predicting this wealth disparity, and so they were developing strategy to make sure that we, that, that the rich stayed on top. I mean, it's disgusting. Well, I mean, hasn't that always been the role of the military? Well, yes. <laughs> well, nothing new here. <laughs> no, no that's the sad thing. <laughs> you know, the other thing that stuck out to me was, when you start talking about the world we actually live in, not the false narratives. And uh, I forgot who it was, but they were talking about this whole concept of uh, weapons making us safer. Oh, yeah. We hide behind uh, a nuclear holocaust as if this is the solution. It's the whole crazy idea that war is a solution. And this kind of war is not seen as a conflagration that ends the planet, or at least our life on the planet, uh, but as some type of uh, foreign policy that is not absolutely insane. Exactly. Well, one, thing, one thing that uh, struck me about some of their arguments, I you know they they really uh, promoted this idea that this base, uh, their mission was essentially omnicide, which is it's just like a step beyond genocide. Yeah. Killing all life. 
which is what would happen if yeah. any even one of those submarines delivered all its missiles. That's right. But, uh, they talked also about the fact that these weapon systems and the, uh, <clears throat> the incredible amount of wealth and effort and energy that goes into sustaining them and updating and all this other crap, uh, and even to the point of mining the uranium, these, those are already devastating mm -hmm. uh, the poor, especially Native Americans where many of the uranium mines are and then they're deserted. Uh, but all the uh, lack of uh, any kind of social safety net for something like the COVID uh, and uh, that, you know, that uh, basically the poor and the working people well, you know, have been if you impacted and, and, uh, and harmed for decades from this. You know, where, where is the, where's the uproar? Where's the outrage? And they, they, they seem to have this quiet desperation. And the, 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 the one guy's story about dealing with the pastor in the deep South and, <laughs> yeah. and, and how, uh, they finally, they finally got through to him, even though his, even though he wasn't going to join them, they finally thought that they got through to him. But was he going to turn that around and go back to his congregation and say, you know what, I found out from these guys that they really make a lot of sense as far as advocating for peace and the destruction of nuclear weapons. Is he really going to go back to his congregation and say that? <laughs> or is he going to understand that his message is for the congregation, not for the sake of a, a higher... And, and who knows what percent of his congregation work on that base. Well, that's right. <laughs> that's right. So they see their economic livelihoods tied to that. Yep. Well, the other thing they do mention on their website is... Uh, you know, their, their deep, uh, not despair, but uh, sense of loss from the fact that there was such public awareness and such public demands uh, about the danger of uh, a nuclear conflict back in the 80s. Remember the freeze, the yeah. nuclear freeze and all that? I mean, that was a huge yeah. movement. And they yeah. managed to have enough political impact to force, uh, you know, huge reductions in the stockpiles mm -hmm. through these agreements. Well, it makes you wonder how many people really know uh, how many warheads we have and how big they are and what the potential is. I don't think the average person really has wrapped their head around that. Because if, if, if they knew that and they did absolutely nothing to try to change things, you'd have to think they're suicidal, which doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. But then well, again, we do know it. Are yeah, we suicidal? We yeah, we, we do know it's suicidal. Um, but, you know, several years ago, I just did a poll, just a random thing at the, I think it was Earth Day, and I would go up to people and record them and say, how much do you think the budget is for the defense? How much, what's the percentage? And, you know, we'd have people that were saying 5%, 10%, not nearly enough, and they'd be shocked when I would say, it's over 50% of the discretionary budget. Really? That doesn't make sense. That's way too much. But there is such a level of um, unknowing, um, like yeah. you were saying, Tom. And uh, I don't, I guess it's, I it guess. It must be because they don't watch the news. And they don't watch these cable channels and networks that are telling us all about it, right? That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I mean, that's one of the headlines on MSNBC all the time. <laughs> Right. The nuclear budget is out of control. We have more than enough weapons to kill the planet 50 times. 
Yeah, nobody's nobody nobody's paying attention to that. <laughs> no, there's there's more information about uh, some of the more trivial things in life on a regular basis than there is uh, the week that they pass the appropriations bill. It just yeah. goes right underground. That's right. And then uh, Martha Hennessy's talk about Stratcom and the yep. new the new warhead, the W seventy six two warhead. Got all of that. Five kiloton, and you know we can go ahead and do it now because we can use these. You know they're just, I mean that's and it's deployed now. That's right. Yeah, On I think what? the USS Tennessee, of course. Of course. <laughs> you know the other thing I think that was important in what she was talking about is. Uh, the fact that the, since these things are so mobile and so silent, mm -hmm. uh, they fall in line with what's been going on with the Iran nuclear agreement mm -hmm. and who's going to get bombed next as a tactical move. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, they all fall in line with the first strike. Yeah, uh, that's it. Off. First Dan strike. It, it, it almost goes back to like the. Uh, 1950s where they actually had I, I remember when I was in ROTC I, I had this catalog of weapons and they had a tactical nuclear cannon mm -hmm. <laughs> it was a nuclear artillery weapon. yeah yeah artillery exactly mm -hmm. yeah and it's sort of a, that kind of vein like as if you could drop a five megaton somewhere and uh have have some kind of foreign policy left. <laughs> That's right. <clears throat> That's our foreign policy. So yeah, I liked I liked Carmen Trotter's uh, <clears throat> uh, equating free market capitalism with cancer because it's that, unrestricted growth. That was wonderful. <clears throat> that was wonderful. I mean, that's the definition of cancer. That's right. Uncontrolled, unrestricted growth. Yeah. And when you have unrestricted growth, it, it eats up everything else. <clears throat> and I looked up the treaty, and uh, you know the UN Treaty on Prohibition. You know you have to have fifty. It's been passed, but you have to have fifty nations to ratify it before it takes effect. <clears throat> um, right now, thirty-six nations have ratified it. I looked at the nations who've ratified it, and <clears throat> basically. Uh, there's one exception to uh, the, the states that are essentially primarily people of color, <laughs> and that is Ireland. Okay. Ireland is, they signed it on the first day that came out, September 20th, 2017. They're not a member of NATO, which probably has a lot to do why they signed it. No, no NATO member signed this. As of now, no NATO member has signed that. Yeah. So you wonder who's... It helps, it helps if you don't army. have an army. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, it was interesting, too. Japan hasn't signed it, which is pretty ironic. It, that is. That is. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and they had a constitution that wouldn't even let them have an army until we twisted their arms, I guess. <clears throat> yeah. Vietnam has signed it. Palestine has signed it, which I assume is... West Bank, Gaza, and, and the diaspora of Palestinians, but uh, Mexico has signed it. Actually, New Zealand has signed it, so that's another uh, essentially uh, white right. country. Well, they have a real leader, too. Yeah, right. So, yeah. so the two most civilized uh, nations that have a lot of white folks in them is Ireland and New Zealand, basically. Yeah. <laughs> No, not that, but <clears throat> yeah. So, so good. We, that's another thing we could write to our congressional reps and say, why the hell haven't we signed this? Don't we want to get rid of nuclear weapons? Well, that's right. And so this was this was an, uh, initiated and and the signature process started in in 2017. Yeah. Okay. And so only 36. We need 14 more countries to sign on to ratify it. Yeah. Well, we ought to be able to get 14 more countries from Africa. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, they they have a little bit more common sense. Or there maybe, are a couple there that aren't. Yeah, that I didn't. Harvey brought up and wanted to make note of the petition that is available on the website, and so here's that discussion. Okay, what I've got is the petition has been delivered to the Department of Justice, but you can still sign yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, get that. Yeah, I got it. I already yeah. signed it. This is sign a the global petition. Yeah. Yeah, this is an urgent request that you join with distinguished global supporters, including Archbishop Desmond, yeah, right. Nobel laureates, and others, by uh, signing our global petition to dismiss all right. charges against the King Bay Plowshare Seven. Yeah, they also below that they have their letter to the Attorney General, that, that is from us. You know, when we sign the petition, yeah. and it at uh, <clears throat> the last paragraph says, we who share the moral vision of Kings Bay Plowshare 7 proclaim our support for their courage and sustained sacrifice, call for the immediate dismissal of all charges against them. Defendants invite us to act creatively. They invite us to join global coalitions working to promote government's adherence to and full implementation of the Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons. They invite us to participate in campaigns for divestment from nuclear weapons as complementary efforts toward the realization of a world free of nuclear weapons. So with that, remember the website and please go sign the petition. Kings Bay plowshares org. Okay. We normally end with a song and we will again this week. And there was a little bit of debate. Tom thought of war. What is it good for by Edwin Starr? Harvey, like Lennon's give peace a chance. And I thought of Pete Seeger doing down by the riverside, not going to study war no more. And uh, when you're the editor, well, here's Pete. I'm gonna lay down my sword and shield down by the riverside, down by the riverside. Down by the riverside, I'm gonna lay down my sword and shield. Down by the riverside and study war no more. I ain't gonna study war no more. I ain't gonna study war no more. Ain't gonna study war no of peace down by the riverside down by the riverside down by the riverside i'm gonna talk with the prince of peace down by the riverside and study war no more i ain't gonna study war no more ain't gonna study war no more ain't gonna study Every man down by the riverside, down by the riverside, down by the riverside. I'm gonna shake hands with every man down by the riverside and study war no more. I ain't gonna study war no more. Ain't gonna study war no more.